This episode is brought to you by NordVPN. Listen up, nerds. No. Good evening, Mr. and Mrs. America, from border to border and coast to coast and all the ships at sea. What? Hello, friends. Do you have a computer? Of course you do, because it's not 1987. Hell, you're listening to this on some kind of computer right now. But do you have a VPN? Oh, what's a VPN, you ask? Well, my friend, a VPN is a virtual private network and it offers two key benefits. Enhanced privacy and security online. But VPNs do a lot more than that. VPNs shield your IP address, change your browsing location, and make online life easier. It's all about safety and security, my friends. But, like everything else in life, it's also about watching TV. Don't let your paid subscriptions go to waste. I use NordVPN to access my home content while I'm traveling. Wink, wink. Plus, secure your connection on public Wi-Fi in airports, hotels, cafes, anywhere you go when you're traveling. There's over 6,300 servers in 111 countries, and you can find a nearby server for the best VPN speeds. NordVPN is easy to use. Connect with one click or enable auto-connect for zero-click protection. And it's got amazing speed. NordVPN is one of the fastest VPNs out there. And with just one NordVPN account, you can use it on six devices. It supports every major platform, Windows, Android, iOS, Mac OS, Linux, even Android TV. I think those are all real. Don't miss out on all the awesome benefits for using a VPN. Go to nordvpn.com slash ifanboy today for a risk-free 30-day money-back guarantee. The link's in the show notes. Once again, that's nordvpn.com slash ifanboy. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Um, you ever feel like you really need to get something off your chest? This is this this is a, like a real thing. Like, if you're mad, if you're upset, if uh, if there's something going on, like the I, there's there's often for me an idea. Maybe it's a wrong. Maybe it's a moment. It's it's an injustice. It's something that because you keep going on and on over and over in your mind about it, and like that can create anger and resentment or shame, whatever it is. And very often. I have found, I am not a therapist, I have found that when you let it out, when you give it voice, when you say it out loud, um, sometimes it makes you feel better because you've, you've expressed it. And sometimes it makes you realize like, oh, this is not a big deal, but I've, it's been stuck in my head. So you give voice to those things um, and it can make you feel a lot better. And shock of all shocks, therapy is one of those things that can help you do that. It can help you be able to say those things in a place where you don't need to worry about the repercussions of it, work your way through it, uh, figure out coping skills, how to get around it, you know, find, find ways to deal with that stuff instead of letting it fester. Um, if you are thinking of starting therapy, uh, if anything I said sounds familiar, you're like, oh, maybe my life would be a little better if I could deal with that kind of thing. You should give BetterHelp a try. It's fully online. It is convenient, flexible. It is suited to your schedule. That's the idea. That's what they're going for. Um, you can fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist. That's a big deal. You can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. That that personal connection, I believe, to be super important. Again, I'm not a professional. Uh, get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash iFanboy today. You get 10% off your first month. That is BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash iFanboy. you're listening to iFanboy's Booksplode, a podcast where we talk about one comic for a long period of time. Uh, my name is Paul Montgomery. Joining me, artist Scotty Young. Hey, Hello, Scotty. Paul. Hey, Scotty. Uh, tonight we begin a three-part series discussing Otomo Katsuhiro's landmark manga serial, Akira. 
you may have heard of. Uh, we're breaking those 2,000-plus pages into three episodes to make it a little more manageable. That's two volumes per episode. Uh, so for the sake of this one, this conversation, we're just going to be talking books one and two of that black and white uh, Kodansha phone book series. There's six of those. I think that's pretty much the only way you can you know, read it in English at the moment. Everything else is sort of out of print. So Right. Um, so, yeah, so these big phone books, these big 300-some-page things, which read really quickly. Was, Super fast. I was I was sort of surprised by that. I was like, wow, how long is this going to take? But So there will be spoilers for these two volumes, but um, just personally, I haven't read past that, and it's been – I haven't seen the movie since high school, so it's been, it's been a bit. Um, yeah, we're, well, this – I mean, yeah, I don't think any, either one of us – I mean, this one of my kind of secret shames that I haven't – that I've had these books Same for so here. long and, and haven't ever actually made my way reading them all the way through. I've, I've looked at them a million times. So I think it'll be, it's going to be kind of fun because we, we, we actually don't know what's coming. Yeah. So. Uh, and I know that, you know, so this was, this was serialized in a, uh, in a periodical uh, called young magazine from 1982 to 1990. Uh, the anime came out in uh, 1988. In Japan, at least, it came stateside a little bit later. But so that was before it was all said and done uh, in print. So right. it was, it, you know, by the same guy, but still they had to. It's 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 plenty abridged uh, to get that down to a feature length movie. That's two thousand pages. Someone who who's better at math than me can figure out how many twenty page, you know, regular monthly Western comics that is. But um, let's say forty five. Um, so what's your, so what's your history with this? You've seen the movie, right? Yeah. Saw the Ages movie. Ago. Yeah. When I was in high school, saw the movie had, um, I think at first I just had like a, you know, a VHS tape that somebody had dubbed. So it was just like a dub of a dub, you know, like from a buddy, mm-hmm. um, that we all passed around and we'd kind of watch at the end of a day of skating or whatever. And we all really liked it. You know, we the people who were into comics, we really liked it, but we didn't know why we really like. You know, it's like because uh-huh. because the movie is it doesn't make a lot of sense, uh, but we loved it because the you know the action scenes were great and I don't know there was there was a lot of cool stuff with it and then um, the books were out of print at that I don't know if you could get the books at that time. Um, it took a while for them to roll out apparently in the U.S. because he was Atomo was retouching them from. Like what we're reading today is not exactly what came out in Young Magazine. Right. He retouched it a little bit afterwards and it and it took a while, which a lot of this is, you know, the case with a lot of um, a lot of books that are serialized in Japan that end up being anime like the like the movie or the anime series comes out even before the, you know, the print manga is done. And they sort of have to come up with an ending. Sometimes it's the same creator. Sometimes it's a whole different production team. Right. Um, but there's, you know, th- there's a lot of ideas in that movie. Yeah. There's a lot going on. But I mean, you know, the one thing that's pretty familiar, Japan blew up. Uh, Tokyo blew up at some point. Um, and now there's a big hole and they build a new Tokyo. And as we enter into this, now the first few pages are in color, which, you know, like Pluto. Did yeah, it's that. a pretty, it's a pretty big, uh, it's usually a tradition there um, in with manga. There's always a first few pages of a volume of almost uh, a lot of mangas that I've read. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll end up having a couple pages at the front be color. Mm-hmm. 
I've been reading, uh, yeah, so so Pluto I love um, by Urasawa, and uh, mm-hmm. also what else? Um, I've been reading um, uh, Mobile Suit Gundam, the original series. They came out with these really nice hardcovers, and those they open up with that great color sequence. And they did. Apparently, this was a this was landmark a landmark comic in a lot of ways. Marvel put this out in the states, and it was like the first thing they ever did, like computer coloring with. Yeah, we I looked at some of that today. Um, yeah. and I really enjoyed it. Like you wouldn't think when you hear like some, you know, when you hear first computer coloring on Akira, there, this seems like there's so many wrong things. That's about what that. I was thinking. Yeah. I was like, uh, yeah, there's so many things wrong with that statement, but when you actually see some of the pages now, I haven't seen a ton and I've just seen what I Googled, but it's actually kind of nice. It was, uh, it's very understated. They don't, you know, it's just simple, simple colors and, and, you know, some kind of cool e- e- kind of green and yellow palettes and stuff. And, um, it's really interesting. And I think because there was already the tone, like his half tones in there yeah, and he did a lot of like gradients and things with his half tones. So that does a lot of their work and it actually adds texture, mm-hmm. uh, to some of the coloring. So it was actually, it was pretty neat. It's cool. Um, so that's, you just sort of have to go looking around for that. That's not really widely available in print anymore yeah i don't think you could probably get that anywhere in print okay um so you've been you've been raving about this online since you've been reading it i i so i um what what's what's blowing you away about this book it's just like when you you know we in in comics and i don't i don't like to when i find something i like um i don't like to say oh, this, these other four things are bad because this is so good, right? Like you don't have to tear something down to, to build something else up. Sure. But it's always very shocking to me. Like as I read this now, uh, it's very shocking to me that this isn't mentioned alongside of some of our staples when we talk about, um, you know, sequential storytelling and, and, and comic books. Uh, you know, we talk about Watchmen all the time and we talk about Dark Knight Returns and, um, you know, the, I mean, obviously those are two of the biggest things, but then, you know, you, you even go down the line and you talk about, uh, preachers, something always talked about, or, yeah. you know, why the last man or any of these kind of, uh, bigger tales or, or kind of staples that we will throw in a list of, of the best c- there is to do with comics and the, the weird kind of wall we build up between, uh, us comics and, and manga has really seemed to to do this thing a disservice because it is, it's crazy how um, every single panel is consistent and at, at top notch caliber, right? Like there are no phoned in panels in here. No, no, there's nothing about this thing. I mean, at times it almost feels as if, um, you know what, you know, when you will go watch a movie nowadays, like today, you know, you go watch frozen and you know, they spend a lot of time up front designing characters and then, you know, they build that character in the computer and then they can kind of move that character around sure. and it's it's built. And this thing is so consistent and so precise that it almost feels as if all the things were built and then plugged into a system and then they just, you know, programmed it like here. OK, in this panel, they're falling off a cliff and n- not that a human being drew it. You know? mm-hmm. <laughs> um that's that's just on the on the consistency and kind of the 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 caliber the the high caliber of art but then you start talking about like uh just the motion and action sequences uh the the setups and the sequences of the action sequence it's just this nuts like 
That's the that's the big takeaway for me with you know especially volume one and it sort of culminates in this big motorcycle chase. Yeah, and you can I mean you can you can lay it. It's not like a flip book, but I mean obviously there there are moments missing, but that all unfolds in your mind's eye. Like you can you can see what it would look like animated, and divorced yeah. divorced from the actual movie too because it's it's been a long time and there are certain moments that I remember from from the anime but but here i can i can really see like the thing i love is take that big motorcycle chase at the end of volume one they're going so fast they have so much momentum when they miss a turn when they realize they were supposed to make a right but they have so much momentum that they you know blow past it and the motorcycle goes almost sideways and they have to do that little u-turn to get back to where they were meant to go and we see it all from the perspective of that turn of where they needed to turn off that's really cool. And I, there's a great sequence where they're running downstairs. There's this big, long sequence there um, where it's just, just how awkward it is to run down steps. And it's, it's almost cartoon-like. It's almost like, it's almost like the Scooby-Doo cartoon where they're running so fast and they pass the same, you know, the, the, <laughs> they pass the same thing over and over again, the same ottoman, the same chair or whatever, the same painting on the wall. And it's almost to that point, but I love those pratfalls. And you can't really do that in a monthly comic because you don't have the space. Plus that rush to print. Yeah, well, there's it's a mixture. There's the rush of the monthly comic, and then there's also the the page cap. You know, there's there's yeah. a there's a cap that you have. So, you know, w- whether you're writing or drawing, when you're sitting there, there's such a there's such decisions you have to make on what you're going to show and what you you know. And here he just gets to show it all. So, you know. Um, I think it's uh, let me. I'm going to flip through because I read both of these back to back. So some parts I'm I'm trying to remember if they were in volume one or in volume two. Um, you know the scene where he's the uh, he's running. Canada's uh, running through the underground tunnels or whatever, and he comes to kind of like almost like the waterfall. Yeah, he's running and he comes to the edge of that waterfall. I I really meant to bookmark these. Uh, but when he comes to it, to it, he's like he doesn't know where to go. The guy's after him, and he falls, and he's kind of falling off the edge of it. It's like two thirty five, two thirty five. Volume one, flipping through. Let's see. Yeah. Okay. So he he's running from the platform, the new flying platforms, kind of like basically like a flying snowmobile. Yeah. And that page right there, right when you get to like two thirty four, is one of those stunners that um they the camera pulls back you know and 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 you just see and they have Canada and he's drawn like a millimeter tall mm-hmm. you know and it's all about the environment and the scope because that's one thing that i find to be difficult to pull off a lot of times especially when you don't have room to do a two panel page or three panel page a lot of times and 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 scope's just a hard thing to to wrap your head around uh, especially when you're making things up like this, but they pull off this great scope. But like you're saying with the kind of the sequencing of the action, uh, you know, he's, he, the, the, this waterfall inside this building, you know, it, it, the, the current's kind of pushing him over. And as he grabs onto the edge, it's pushing him and pushing him. He's barely holding on. And as he's sliding down the vertical wall, he like, it just shows so perfectly his foot plant. And he's like, pushes off yeah he pushes least, he vaults off with his foot yeah yeah he vaults off and then he grabs on to the to the kind of flying snowmobile mm. and he's holding on and that entire little action sequence is 
decompressed. You know, yeah. in, in, a, in American comics, a lot of times we decompress stories to fit trades. And the thing I love so much about manga is they don't decompress story. They decompress action. Um, so you really feel like you get every moment of that, that kind of, I, you just start getting into it. Your heart starts to beat a little bit and you're, you're really like, oh my gosh, like I keep, you keep turning pages quicker and quicker. Um, but that was one of the, one of the great examples I felt like nothing felt made up or drawn. It's like somehow he figured out, he found people to go jump off a waterfall so he could get like accurate reference. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know? Yeah. It's so well choreographed. I mean, in, in a, in a Western comic, you might, you know, have to fill in more of those blanks here. Every single moment, the foot plant, the push off, yeah. um, the reaction shots. Um, like you said, the big, the big uh, panel on a uh, two thirty four. the whole scope of that, it's, it's a sort of great establishing shot. And that's, that's sort of, I think if I could sum up the set pieces in this book, it's, it's about movement and then like sudden monolithic stillness. The way he draws buildings and the way, and we can talk about this too, that he had an assistant and usually a manga artist might have multiple assistants helping them right. out with these serialized stories. Um, but apparently just from what we've read, one assistant um, filling out some of the, just some of the detail work on a lot of the architecture a lot of the straight lines and stuff. Yeah, from from what I from the the small amount of research and the few conversations I've had in the last couple of days, that's I think what we came up with. And again, could be wrong, but I know like Urasawa. Um, I watched a documentary on him once uh, a few years back, and and it actually showed him in his studio. And there's a table full of of guys, um, you know, passing pages around and 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 working it out. And, you know, so there's like six, seven, eight people in a room making, making those comics, you know, and, and to have drawn this much with just you and, you know, virtually the same kind of process as a pencil or an inker to a good degree, you know, which is still a, I mean, in monthly comics is a, is a huge feat, but to, to accomplish this level of craft with just you and another guy is just insane. Mm -hmm. Uh, any other particular set pieces in say volume one that really stand out? Um, I mean, yeah, there's, I mean, obviously the beginning right out of the gate, I feel like wins you over when they're in the town. Um, you know, there's the, there's a scene obviously where they, they come up and there's number, uh, number 26, the kid, you know, the kid who's kind of looks like an old man and, and they, they, the motorcycles come up and he kind of stops him and that that's cool. And he disappears and you kind of don't know what's going on. Mm -hmm. But when you, when you get a little little bit later when they get into town that night and you get your first um uh interaction with uh is it kai is that her name uh k the, the girl yeah yeah um and and they go back and they see him again uh the, the esper um yeah. takashi yes uh and, and i think kaneda runs into him at that point as well right yes yeah so it's Canada and his crew kind of see him and they're like, Oh, Hey, there's the dude, you know? And, and that part right there is one of my favorites because unlike most of the other um, action sequences, this one is filled with like, like calm emotion, mm -hmm. like where, you know, he's the, the Esper is very sad and he's frustrated and he's kind of anxious. And, you know, you can't the, the emotions drawn on his face 
are so perfect. And so you have these really moments of these cuts to his face of all this emotion. And then the destruction that he's causing around him is amazing. (laughs) Like The giant water tower that, that crashes down and the explosion uh, in the, in the alleyways, like that little moment of just him feeling like, I'm cornered. I'm cornered. I've have to do something is, you you know, to be reading it right out of the gate, you're like, well, I'm, I'm in for something really cool. So, I mean, as a set piece, it's great as a storyteller. It's, it's, it grabbed me right away. And you're like, I'm going to definitely read, you know, 2000 pages of this. You know, <laughs> Yeah. I think that's a, that's a really strong moment um, because you know uh, he's, he's terrified this, this little kid yeah. and it's his, like his psyche is fracturing and this is, this is his defense mechanism is to tear down the walls behind him uh, just as a, a way to get away, not even just to hurt those guys. I'm looking at page 57 where you actually see the the water tower falling through. Yeah. But just look at the detail on that, that destruction. Like, yeah. That's it's nuts. That's incredible. It's, it's so detailed, and yet it feels like part of that world and not just like he went and found photo reference of a water tower falling. Yeah, that's the thing. I think one of the things that I love so much about it is like there's a sense of him understanding gravity so much, which um, I know it's a weird thing, but as an artist and, and somebody who sees a lot of portfolios, it's a weird note that I give a lot, which is think about gravity more while you are drawing. Mm. Um, there's a tendency for people to draw wrinkles in clothing as if gravity doesn't affect cloth um, right. because they just know like, well, there's wrinkles in, in clothes or whatever, or, you know, jeans or pants a lot of times won't abide by the laws of gravity and drawings because you don't think about it. You're just thinking about the figure and figures wear pants and, and things like that. And so it's a weird note that I give a lot of times. And, and one thing he, he is constantly in this book, like wowing me with, which is that, that force that everything is being pulled down. And, and that is a great one where, you know, he's knocking that, he's knocking that thing over, but you almost feel like he just knocked the thing over. Now the pure weight of it, you know, he, he destroyed, he destroyed this, he he bent a few beams underneath it. And now the gravity of it's just crumbling the structure right below it. And, and you, you notice like the building to the left of it is untouched Yeah, where I think sometimes you're, you'd be tempted to where that whole panel would just be nothing but debris, you know, it's like, like, it's like a Jenga tower. He's pulling out the right pieces for it to, for it to collapse. Yeah. And then you you go to the the follow, you know, the following page where you see it hit the ground and there's the explosion behind it and just, just all the right spots of, of black and all the right spots of white. And, and even the, you know, the, again, the, the choices that he makes for me is so impressive in that panel on page uh, in the, the, the fourth panel on page 58, um, there's the explosion. This giant water tower just fell down. There explosion. It might be a gas tank. I'm not I, with an explosion. They call it a water it. tower at some point. Yeah. Do they? Okay. Yeah. So um, the the decision to have the four figures in that panel completely stationary and looking at it is impressive. Like because I know me, I know my version of it probably would have been the most extreme. You know, every character in the panel would have been sprinting away from it, screaming, flailing their arms about, you know, like yeah. everything would have been crazy. But only the people directly by it are having that crazy, like it's flinging me around. The people that are 
you know, a hundred feet down the, the, you know, a couple of buildings down just heard this thing and are looking. And there's something, there's something pretty impressive about the, the, the dual nature of the panel where you've got all the destruction in the background and in the foreground, you just have very still people like, Whoa, you know, similar to like when you watch the videos of nine 11, where it's like, you're seeing like crazy destruction happen, but then you have people standing still videotaping it. You know, mm-hmm. there's, there's something, there's something pretty cool about the drawing there. And that extends to the way he builds that world of Neo Tokyo too. When, when you first get in there and you start, I mean, you look at the, the, this this dive bar that they hang out at really you know great graffiti on the walls everything just looks like it's falling apart um the right. level of decay isn't too much but just like i you know i i would never want to live there i would never want to visit um but it feels lived in and that's that's really kind of exciting um when you can be that immersed in that setting yeah and i i also like you 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 know, you talk about Neo Tokyo and you, and then you, you know, you kind of think about how we often think of um, these kind of like future futuristic cities or futuristic times with uh, a lot of times we almost have like a very oppressed kind of way of life. And I like here, like no matter, like everything's down and dirty and, and they hang out there. But then when you get the kids to school, they're, they're just, they're just little, assholes right they're just little you know they're little punks and they read the newspaper during class and yeah yeah and they're completely acting up or whatever and you i feel like the temptation to have it be so like you know you act up and you are you're you know like some sort of like harsh punch we'll kill one of you we're gonna you'll be locked in cells but they act up they clown around that one the one gym teacher does beat the hell out of him but yeah yeah <laughs> Which in the movie always cracks me up the dub, the, the dub of that when he's like discipline, discipline, discipline. Check out page, check out page one nineteen. Um, just the way they're sitting around in the lecture hall there, just feels so natural. They're all like right. clumped together in the middle of the room in that in that corner. I yeah. love that composition there. Um, and then also <laughs> when you get to one nineteen, you're also looking at uh, Connie does. Uh, girlfriend in the in the nurse's office who can analyze drug samples apparently. right <laughs> oh, it was okay that's a little odd but um very early on in the story i mean we already know that connie does a um you know he's a he's a, he's a the leader of a motorcycle gang mm-hmm. um and he's breaking the law and he's you know he's bucking authority but he's also like 15 and he got this chick pregnant and he's not at all concerned about this what you know whatsoever Right. And it sort of brought me to the point, like, do we, do, do you like this guy? Like, do you have to? No, I don't think that you have to. And I think that's what I'm hoping that I look, you know, I mean, obviously I, I have enough friends who have read this, this entire run and, and not that I know what's going to happen, but the one thing that I keep hearing about is how great it is to watch people go on actual arcs, you know, mm-hmm. where, where people change and do things. I don't know if he changes to a likable character, but um, I think that they are doing a good job of showing us at a, him at an absolute place where we almost hate him, you know, where he's just a little punk kid that, um, that doesn't really have any sort of sense of responsibility or, or um, care about anybody or do anything. And, and, hopefully we'll see over, over the course of these volumes, um, 
a change in him, but I don't, yeah, I don't know if you're supposed to like him. I think, I think that these are very intentional. Um, it's either very intentional or it's uh, maybe a weird translation. I don't know. <laughs> well, yeah, it's it's weird. I mean, like she's clearly, I mean, on the, on that page 119, I mean, she's looking mm-hmm. down, like she's clearly hurt and right. feeling it. And I wonder if we ever revisit that at all. Um, she might get blown up by the end. I have no idea. <laughs> right. But um, at this point, it's just sort of like he's, you know, she says, I'm, I, you know, I think I'm pregnant. And he's like, oh, okay. He's like, well, get those pills ready and do this, do this, you know, analysis, this chemical analysis of this weird pill I found. Right. And let me know what's in there. Uh, I'll come back for the grab bag of pills that I can take to my, to my party later. Um, I'll see you later. And then like later on, she, she still expresses concern about this. And he, and he says, oh, can I watch you have the baby? <laughs> weird, man. So like throughout these first two volumes, um, Kanida is sort of the, in a way, is the comic relief. Um, at least at this point, he feels like the protagonist. Mm-hmm. Um, we're following his trajectory through the story. Key is much easier to like. She's part of the resistance. She cares about something. Mm-hmm. Um, and her brother uh, Ryu, who's not really her brother. Um, those resistance fighters, at least we know that there's something messed up going on with the military and the government, and something going on under that crater. Um, and, and lots of cover-ups and stuff. Um, but Connie does sort of like a much needed, uh, levity, uh, cause the story can get really heavy. I mean, you got kids who have like, you know, 90 year old faces and, right. um, and can't move and stuff and are, you know, bedridden and, and, uh, and Tetsuo is, goes through a crazy arc. This is what surprised me is just how fast things escalated. Like, I didn't, I figured, I knew that, you know, the movie was, you know, cutting out moments and that it was an abridgment of the um, entire six volume series. Mm-hmm. I didn't expect Tetsuo to go to 11, you know, until, you know, volume three or four. Right. It's, it's happening in volume one. I mean, he, he kills other members of the, the biker gang and he, the forehead's taken over yeah. and he's, he's going absolutely nuts and, and he can, he can destroy, he can like basically crush your brain just by thinking about it. He gets super powerful, super quick. Yeah. I think there's, there's a period of time when they're, um, when they're holed up in that apartment. Yeah. Right. Because it, that they, they, when they finally escape, they go and they get the, the apartment above the bar or whatever. Right. And he yes. lets them stay there for a while. I feel like that part probably could have figured out a way for me to feel like more time passed. Cause I think that's what their point was. Yes. Was to make it feel like, Oh, they've been in this living this life now for a while. Like, um, so that, that made it, you know, as a reader had, had something during that point made me actually go, Oh, they've time passed. Then it wouldn't have felt like so abrupt that he was now, um, you know, leading them, <laughs> leading the clowns and, and, uh, and becoming, he does lead the clowns in the first one, right? Yes, he does. Yeah. 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 Um, uh, like yeah. he makes it, he makes his escape and he, uh, he just sort of stumbles upon the clowns and they're going to attack him. And he just, he pops their, you know, their, their brain cases, you know, like grapes. And, yeah. uh, and then the, you know, the other two are like, well, we can help you. You have this bad headache. We can help you find the drugs. And, they go to the the crazy uh, clown gang 
um, bowling alley, bowling alley lair, which is kind of awesome. Yeah. And he he very quickly takes over. And I love that he I love that he rides the motorcycle with no hands, yes. like just his arms crossed. That's that's a pretty badass look. And uh, so many speed lines by the end of uh, volume one. I know it's so many lines. I just I feel for the guy with the ruler sitting there doing that all day. Um, but it looks so great. And um, the other thing that sort of escalates very quickly is Kanida sort of realizing that Tetsuo's got to go down. Right. Um, I think in if I if I recall correctly, in the movie we get to see a little bit of their childhood. And we know that they grew up together and that Tetsuo has sort of this chip on his shoulder because, you know, Kanida is the is the alpha dog and he's the leader of the gang. And that's not exactly established here. It's just as almost as soon as we meet Tetsuo, he gets in that accident, ends up in the hospital. And that's where they discover that he has, you know, the potential to be one of these espers and, and they're going to do these experiments on him. And that's where it all just, you know, goes to hell. Um, yeah, I think there was a lot of, there was a lot of subtlety. There was some subtlety in the, in the anime that, that was maybe lost a little bit here in, in their, in their interactions, you could hear, you know, just even slight grunts and looks at them while they're writing showed you that Tatsuo was frustrated with them. Um, you know, so you could, out, it built a little bit of that where you, like you said here, where, where it just jumps straight in and he got in the accident and he's hurt and they can't find him. Um, so yeah, there definitely was a little bit of that lost, uh, at the, I mean, at you the get beginning. the, you get the moment when Tetsuo gets out of the hospital and Connie does very excited that he's come back. Let's have a party and everything. Um, but then after, after he disappears later, it's just sort of hearsay from the other guys in the gang that, you know, Tetsuo is, is the new leader of the clowns and, and it just turns into it feels like the culmination of the story, and it's just the end of volume one, uh, at least the way they're printed here, um, where he's it's you know it's it starts into it's sort of a joke. Um, there's clips on YouTube where it's just Kanida Tetsuo Kanida Tetsuo like over and over again, and very melodramatic and very sort of Dragon Ball Z, and um, it it gets to that place pretty quickly. Um, and then even in volume two, when they meet up again and he's got the laser rifle and he just, he, he lands there and, and sees Tetsuo for the first time in a while. And it's like, die, die, die. Like you, like you have to, it makes sense there because he killed his friend right in front of him. Yeah. Um, and a whole sort of warehouse full of, of their friends that they grew up with. Right. I just wish there was a little bit more about their, their backstory. Uh, maybe we get that later, you know, as in the final confrontation, but yeah, we probably could have we probably could have done away with some of the actual um, school stuff. Yeah, as, as 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 funny as that stuff was, it seemed to be like it was showing a lot more of his his interaction with the rest of his gang, which you know through this volume and the and the second volume don't really turn out to be much of anything. You know, there's not any other relationships uh, explored any deeper than this is my gang. Um, you know, I, it feels like the, this is my gang stuff could have been dealt with on a page or two, but you know, they get a lot of scenes in bars hanging out together. They get a scenes at school together. They're clowning around They're They're messing with the clowns. There could have been, it, it felt like we could have gotten a little bit more history between those two as buddies yeah. to really feel like that conflict was a little bit more powerful. Mm -hmm. yeah, I just wanted to be a little bit more 
personal um or at least do the you know do the footwork for it to be personal instead of just it you know it's this vendetta that sort of comes out of nowhere um it see it just seems like Connie that turns on him without a whole lot of evidence um it's just it's seriously it's just hearing rumors that right he's like okay we got to rumble now uh we got to get all the gangs together and 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 take out just the clowns um then there's like okay in volume 2 it's seriously there's like 200 pages of let's go figure out what Akira is. Right. Let's go down into that layer. And I love that they have the elevator that's in every side-scrolling beat-em-up video game from the 90s. Mm. Yep. There's always that level where you're stuck on an elevator and goons just keep dropping out of nowhere. Yep. Um, it's in the X-Men arcade game. Uh, oh, that's what it was. You know what? I was dying when I was reading this. Like, what? why is this stuck in my head? Why is this elevator so in my head? And you just nailed it. It's in that X-Men arcade it's game. It's in the X-Men arcade game. It's in uh, Streets of Rage. All of them have that yeah. where you're just you're, you're moving towards the right edge of the screen. And so I love that that slow burn of that that elevator tram thing going diagonally down uh, just into the bowels of the earth, heading for this this place that's it's at they keep it at absolute zero this Akira thing, whatever it is, we saw it sort of like this chrysalis of tubes and wires and things in the, in the first volume. Um, and now it's, it's this little kid and super creepy. Little kids are creepier than anything. Oh man. And not only are the little kids themselves creepy, but the decision to keep it, like to have their giant room, just be like big teddy bear mouth archways and, you know, train, tra- just it's a, this massive room with very them in the middle of it, but still designed like a kid's play area. Yeah. It just adds to the creepiness. It just feels sickly and like, you know, the, you just the, smell the ammonia. <laughs> yeah. It's the thing I loved about volume two yeah. Um, the thing I loved about volume two was I was caught off guard at the beginning right away. Like it almost as if I felt with, with uh, K. Yeah. I almost felt like, did I miss something? Like, did I miss something in volume one? And when, cause all of a sudden you're in here, uh, Tatuo's being checked out. He's, in, you know, he's in, in here uh, being checked out. And all of a sudden you jump to K and K is, uh, comes up against him. She sees him and these are the, the, the army guys are, f- are f- running after her and she is phasing through walls. She's teleporting places. She's all of a sudden like super hardcore, like walking straight into danger when she comes up against, um, when she comes up against Tetsuo, she's actually like a force against him. She's, you know, which yeah, she's using you know like telekinesis. Yeah, and we and Tetsuo you know, we just, is freaked out. Like, and whoa, whoa, whoa. Right. Tetsuo well, from Volume One at the end of Volume One, he shouldn't be scared of anybody. The only reason he's in captivity is because he wants more of those drugs to make him feel good. Right. And the 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 Colonel uh, very smartly comes up to him and says, "Listen, you know, you could blow us all away, but." I'm the only one who can maintain that high for you. So come along with me. Yeah. And we'll train and, you to be even more powerful. And and we watched the damage and, and the power that Tetsuo had at the end of volume one. So to be at the beginning of volume two and watch one of the characters from volume one show be such a force against him and actually, you know, 
for a second, like, oh, she's going to stop him. And and I was like, I know I read through volume one fast, yeah. but I'm missing something. <laughs> like, And I love that it threw me for that loop because then you, uh, you know, again, spoiler, as you find out, the the espers were controlling her you know they were she was their puppet um to mm-hmm. take to take tattoo out and when you find that out you're like that's awesome yep. like, like again like you th- you actually which you know when you know as, as someone who reads a lot of books you write you you've read scripts we've read how-to books i've read hundreds of scripts from hundreds of writers and drawn them it gets very tough to be thrown for a loop um, because you you just you're you're used to the the cues, you, the nods, the page turns, you you start to predict them, and and for me to really be like, I'm gonna keep reading this, but I may have to go back and look at volume one to see if I missed something. Yeah. Um, and then you know, right when I thought, okay, I've I've really missed something, uh, they throw they they throw it on me, and I just, that was just awesome storytelling. And it's and it's really organic too because it's it's a surprise to Kanida that she can do that and to Tetsuo and nothing that he's known about her before would lead him to believe that she'd have that ability um, or that control over that ability at least and that determination and uh, and then the colonel sort of works it out too he's like wait a minute you have that ability you know to the esper uh, who can the, the, the girl esper who can do that you can phase through walls and teleport and stuff. You're controlling right. her. And, and uh, just to see how they work it out organically is pretty cool. And right. you're like, oh, that's what's happening. Um, yeah, that's, that, that is uh, really refreshing to be surprised like that. Um, and that's the way it should be done. I was actually thinking with volume one, you know, where, it, you know, up front, they say that, you know, there was this World War III and Tokyo was destroyed and stuff. I almost don't need any of that stuff, you know? Start with them on the bikes on the road heading to old Tokyo and don't even give, you know, don't even give out that exposition. It just, it sort of comes out by context. Yeah. I think what that, I, I, we could probably say and get, this is absolute speculation and no way to actually prove this, but it feels like that's a product of the time in which it was created. Yeah. Um, you know, we think that now because because of Akira and because of Blade Runner, you know, we've read and watched hundreds of things that uh, jump us into that kind of future and we just go with it. When, when uh, you know, this, the, this was the, the, those were the pioneers of that kind of uh, future, you know, those kind mm-hmm. of – so I think for him probably as a storyteller, that was one of the coolest things is <laughs> saying like, you know, like – Look, I've built this whole. I've built an alternate history of the world. Um, I, I mean, I, I, I definitely get what you were saying, and I'm, I'm just trying to speculate as to probably why. It's no, that's upset. a good point. I mean, it is. It's sort of a forerunner to a lot of stories, and we're, we're kind of jaded about it now. So I think these days, you know, the, the, the ambition is to sort of play that stuff down and, and, right. and look at it in a, maybe a more sophisticated way. But you know, back in this is '82. Um, yeah, yeah you something like that. Yeah. So it'd be a little bit more revolutionary and a little bit more shocking as well, I guess. Yeah, because so. I mean, if if you think in 1982, if if you if you're reading this book and and uh, the you know the the motorcycle gangs racing towards old Tokyo, like what context do you have? Like we have 
we we have basically our whole lives as as uh, comic geeks as context. Mm-hmm. So we have all these visual cues. You know, when I see, um, you know, so and so drew this book. Well, obviously they've watched. They grew up on uh, Mobius and watched Blade Runner a million times. So they're in their book showing me visual cues that I understand right away what kind of future it is, what kind of uh, around what year the story is taking place in. And they never have to actually tell me that stuff uh, because of all the shared information we have. It's similar to it's like a weird shared consciousness between sci-fi fans or whatever that we all have now, Mm -hmm. uh, similar to like Marvel continuity or DC continuity, where at some point, like we all kind of understand that at some point, you know, that, you know, there was a dark Phoenix and, you know what I mean? There's like yeah, this, yeah. No. It, but that something had to come first. And I think that that's a, that this is a good example of that where, you know, him, unless he, he puts that up up front, we might not get that, that the whole history of it without, uh, without seeing it. There's a lot of parallel action in the story. There's a lot of scenes where you're going back and forth between two or three different locations and, and sets of characters. Mm-hmm. What were the most interesting characters to follow for you? Um, I mean, I obviously, I always wanted, I w- definitely wanted to be near the kids, the espers, because, yeah. um, mostly because they're the things that you don't understand yet. You know, like they're the, they're the part of the story being kept most hidden as far as what the deal is. Yeah. You know, everything or everything in them is kind of like the stuff in lost, you know, where, <laughs> where you're like, do you have it figured out? Or are you just throwing red herrings at me <laughs> it's just throwing like are you, are you just like are you just like dangling things that you don't quite obviously i'm sure he has it figured out but it's just like i don't know if he can control it it'll kind of be like number 14 was you know <laughs> and, mm-hmm. and you and you're not you don't know what that means and so you're like oh i want for more information there so that's the that's the part of me that's asking questions i want to be around them um but then you know, just just uh, Canada and Kay are always good because they seem to be the ones that are always in, you know, kind of that John McClane moment. You know, they're always sprinting from something. That's a really good way of putting it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, when you earlier, you know, I meant to say this when you were saying like Canada was, you know, is the kind of the comic relief, even though he's in the middle of all this super, super heavy stuff. And he really is like a 15 year old John McClane because he's he's super in the shit all the time. But he's still cracking wise and 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 trying to you know he's still himself in the middle of all of it, um, so it's pretty fun to kind of see that stuff. Um, and then I don't know. I mean, I think they're all equally interesting, but I would definitely say that the Espers would be my my first ones. How about you? Which ones? Uh, which ones are? Which ones do you like following? I you know I, I'm always interested as you know especially as we get into volume two as to where Tetsuo's heads at. And I think, I don't know if, if he, I don't know if Otomo in volume one got a little ahead of himself with Tetsuo and made him super powerful, or if that was the plan all along to reel him back in a little bit with volume two, where he's, I guess it makes sense in volume one, with all those powers, he would be top dog against a bunch of 15 year old bikers. You know, like he would be in a in a league of his own. Then in volume two, when he's when he starts working with the government and is basically captive of of the military, um, it's it's like a you know a big fish in a in an even bigger pond, right? Um, and so that that 
that change of status quo is really interesting. Then you get to the point where he's got to figure out what Akira is. And I guess his, I guess his, his reasoning is I want to cause as much trouble as I possibly can because I'm a 15 year old kid out of control. Let's, let's go after this thing that everybody's so worried about and whispering. It's sort of like, I'm going to go get Voldemort. I'm going to go get, he who shall not be named and I'm going to let him out of his tomb and just see what happens. Well, I don't know. I, I think that's, that's an interesting way to look at it, but I wonder if it's not that when you're 15 and you figured out that you're good at something that the idea that someone is telling you, like they say at one point, he might be, be like, let's say, let, let's just say basketball, right? Yeah. He might be better at basketball than Akira. And at 15, you'd be like, you're damn right. I am. Where's he at? I'm going to beat him. Like mm-hmm. it's, I don't know if it's as much about like, you know, when I was 15, I didn't want to blindly cause trouble, but I had those stupid, it's like your, your maturity levels at such a place where your emotional control is so low mm. <laughs> that, that, if my emotions are to be the best at something, then it's all of a sudden I'm out of control to prove that to, you know, and sometimes that you could, that could be obnoxious and it feels like that's where he is. It's like, as soon as he starts to get these powers, there's two things I need to make the pain stop. So I'm going to do crazy stuff until the pain stops. And then when I figure out how to control that, all these people are all the same sudden, like saying I'm the best, I'm the strongest. Um, so instantly I'm going to be their leader well, I've conquered that. Where's what's my next thing that tells me I'm the best? It's like, you know, you don't go out and just beat one person when you, you know, like a basketball team doesn't just win one game. Yeah. They want to win all the games, you know, then and you want to win the tournament, the state tournament, then the national, you know, every there's always a level past you winning that you want to win again. And it feels like that for him, like this 15 year old sensation of just like or this need to beat and 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 defy you if you say i can't do this i don't think he can control akira akira is too powerful bullshit i can i can do it you know there's there's just that stupid 15 year old defiance mixed with this superpower you know well sort of like in the in the beginning they're gonna go to old tokyo because that's the dangerous place to go that's the you know they've they've done everything illegal and messed up in neo tokyo let's go back to where we're not even supposed to be right and that's they sort of got blue balled on that one because the road just stopped right when they got to the crater and they can't jump it. And so it's all right, let's go back around, let's try something else. And they're it seems like with all the pills and stuff, they're just they're constantly chasing highs. Yep. And that's I think one of the broader themes of this is that, you know, it's finding the next big thing, finding the next thrill, um, just being more audacious than than yesterday. And, yeah, that's a uh, good point. And so I, th- I guess that, yeah, I, th- I think you put it pretty well that he's, he's looking for, he, he's got to beat the other guy in one-on-one. Um, yeah. And this, this legend, he doesn't even know what, who, you know, what kind of thing Akira is. Let's figure it out. And now it's sort of like a curiosity. And, and we don't even really know until that point where they're saying, like all through a volume one, when you hear about Akira, it's such a mystery that you don't know if it's a power Right. If it's a stone, if it's an energy, if it's a person, it's just Akira, you know, like it's just this thing, this name they they keep calling. And, and I can't remember, it's been so long since I've seen the movie, but I feel like, does a little kid come out in the movie? Mm -hmm. 
Okay. It's been a really long time since I've seen that movie. But so, I, which I'm glad of because of this stuff is so, so new to me then. Yeah. But because it never says that, like when they finally say, like they, they do frame it as it's a person, um, you, you finally start going, like, oh my God, that, there's a, there's a person down underneath that giant, crazy contraption, which how fantastic is the design of the cap, you know, that they have. Hold it, you know, above where you know where Akira is. It's, it's like, got all these like nodes and weird things coming out of it, so it looks that it, you know, it looks like at the same time really industrial, but then also like really organic too. Yeah, and it's it seems like they like there's there's so many layers of of precautions that they had to put on that thing. So it's like, all right, put a big pot over top of it, and then on that pot we need. You know, we need a temperature control. Then we need seven hoses stuck, and it's like they just kept layering it mm-hmm. with with everything. But this the the design of it was is so scary. You're like, what is down there? Yeah, it's like it's it's a little bit like the first Alien movie. You know, like it's it's this they're getting closer to it. The, the whole thing of like going down into the earth, and mm-hmm. he he takes a really long time to take us down there. And I imagine reading this serialized, you know, it's one thing, I mean, this really changes our perspective on it, reading, you know, the first like 600 some pages, like all in one shot. You said you read like two of them in in one go, sort of like, or even if you read one volume, that's, that's 336 pages in the first volume. Yeah. Last night I read the second volume in an hour and 15 minutes. And that's like 291 pages. Yeah. And I mean, imagine, (laughs) imagine, you know having that over weeks a or months or a year. Yeah. And it's just that the, the buildup of the tension would just be so like, what, what the hell is it? And I don't know right. if you'd be annoyed at that point if it was over a year or what, but um, for this, it was kind of perfect. Like it was just the right amount of going down there because at the same time, you also have this, you know, this other chase sequence going on with Connie, Don and Kay. And um, so there's, so there's, a whole bunch of things to be interested in. And then like the temperature's changing and that's really creepy. And then uh, Ryu and his buddy run into Tetsuo and they don't know who he is at first. Um, and they just think he's, he's some kid that fell down there and going to help him out. And that's like a kind of tension too, because mm-hmm. he could snap their necks at any moment. Right. And just, it's like on, on your way to, to meet the wizard at the end and whatever that is, um, that journey is is really tense and really suspenseful, um, and I love that he took that long and and that much page real estate to uh, to devote to that. Yeah, I mean, for me, I'm super impressed. Whereas, like, like the first volume was a lot of setup and you know a lot of kind of like who everybody is and what's the setup, and but still not overdoing it to where you're you're so filled with exposition, but all of a sudden, like the second volume just feels like 280 pages of straight, like boom, 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 boom. Like everything, you know what I mean? It's, it's pretty going. relentless. Yeah. Yeah. It's just going. And, and, but because it's, it, like you said, it jumps between groups. You don't ever feel like you're being overloaded. You know, you, you're going from a, a chase scene with these three and then you go back and the doctor's trying to figure out the temperature and all of a sudden he's freezing, which how awesome. How yeah. awesome was that scene, right? Like, it just freezing, like, right in front of the window. And you actually felt cold reading it. Like, yep. Um, no, it's true. 
so you know you've got that and then you know so you go in the scenes you go in the scenes you go in the scenes and then uh you get that just amazing freaking page where after all this boom 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 explosions elevators all this not like you just get that pay on page 240 the boom splash page maybe the first like full blown one panel splash page in the whole volume um which again is just a feat, right? So you go 240 pages and then you just halt yep. when you see this little boy atop of, you know, our big upside down, you know, colander or whatever. You know? <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. Our, our big, you know, it, it, it's like the, it's like the little uh, pan that people that, that like a diner would put over a burger to melt the cheese real quick. <laughs> yeah. um, um, and you just see this, you know, uh, Tetsuo standing in front of the the door and the Akira sign and the the little boy on top. What a I mean, all that fast paced stuff to just come to a head right there, and you're just like, there was a little, you know, not only just a little kid, but like a little kid who looks like a little kid. He doesn't look, you know, he's not like a ninety year old little kid like the rest of them. You know, mm-hmm. uh, it's just fantastic. And just look at it. Look at his hands on page two forty one. Mm-hmm. Just down in his side. It's not. It's not a uh, symmetrical. Um, it's just sort of like he's a little. He, I mean, he looks pissed, but like um, he's been in the refrigerator for a long time. Yeah. But uh, sort of like plaintive look as he's as he's coming out of there and well, yeah, what world you know, am I emerging into? Yeah, and I like it as well. Like you said, like I think there's a lot of temptation in a moment like that to have this character walking out, and you know that's a moment where you like you could draw a lot of like really cool hero shot, you know, of this little powerful kid, but. Having, you know, my, my son's four. And one thing that you don't realize a lot of times about kids around that age and young kids when they walk around, I mean, there's a lot of energy and there's a lot of thought and a lot of pretending happening yeah. uh, in, a, in a kid's mind at all times. So something that happens a lot is their hands are always in weird positions. Like, you know, they're, they're always like their hand is always pretending something. Mm-hmm. And it's moving and and you pointing those hands out is really interesting because I thought about it when I when I got to that page was his hands reminded me of my son's hands as he walks through the house and he's thinking and he might be actually subtly acting out a scene in a movie that he doesn't even know he's doing. <laughs> because, yeah, yeah. Because it's, his hands are you're just not constant. conscious of your body. You're right. right. You're phys- and I do it a lot. I mean, it's probably not just kids. I mean, I do it a lot, you know, where it's just like as you're sitting there, you're thinking, you know, my fingers are fidgeting a little bit and you don't know because – you know, hands aren't in hero shots all the time as we, as you know, a lot of us are tempted to draw each time we draw. He looks like he woke up from a nap is that's what he, that's what he looks like. He just looks like he's maybe had a bad day. He's got a headache. He has, you know, like a fever or something. And, um, he just woke up, he's all bedraggled. And yeah, I like, I like that because there, I think there is that temptation to make it perfect, make it, you know, angelic or demonic either way. Yeah. Um, and something, you know, symmetrical, awe-inspiring. It's much more powerful and and creepy and surprising for it to be this unassuming thing where it's just this kid walking out. Yeah, um, and I think that the the two forty is also the decision there that on the reveal of him to have it be a camera pulled back yeah. and his tiny figure be on top. You know, b- basically the majority of this page would be negative space. 
um, was a real awesome decision where I think it could have, you know, people could have easily chose to just start off with page 241, you know, like reaction shot and right. then close up of the kid. But I think, you know, choosing to do that again, that, that scope and pull the camera back and not be afraid to just let this big page breathe with tiny figures was a pretty awesome, smart choice. And it's kind of it's kind of funny if you look back at it and just look at the colonel. He's just huge, this huge dude with his mohawk, um, and he's screaming all the time. Yeah. And that's what he's afraid of is this I little know, yes. kid. That's... Yeah, you know what? It's funny that you it's funny that you say that now because I was talking to Jason Howard today, mm-hmm. and he's he's read the whole thing, and and I was saying I said there's just one thing that's always a little bit it was a little bit annoying for me is that, you know, the Colonel, he's always yelling, like no matter what he says, he's just like, what are you doing? Yeah. <laughs> Come over here. Like, and, and his word balloons are always jagged and there's normally speed lines behind him when he's talking. Mm-hmm. And, and I didn't think about it until you brought that up. That makes a lot of sense that it's almost like a setup to show you like this intense dude is that intense over this little being, um, which obviously is, is another thing when, when, you know, I talked about the, the the pacing of this being boom, 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 boom. And then you get this two page reprieve of like, <sighs> and then, you know, you go to 242 and it's boom, you know, things are happening again. And the colonel's yelling and the speed lines are behind him and fix it. You know, it goes right back into it. You know, no time, uh, uh, no time. You know, they could have, he could have done another six pages of who are you? What are you? Are you Akira? You know, yeah. but they don't, they just like, it's silent. And it's just like, they do a couple action pages, jump to it again. And then he's asking, are you Akira? So it's a nice balance of back and forth. I just say, I, I love the, I love the hyperbole of the Colonel character. Like it's just, everything is yeah. the worst possible thing that could happen. <laughs> and even went, so like when Tetsuo like knocks him down uh, in the room with the Esper's, it's a huge moment that he steps on his head. Oh yeah. Like he doesn't beat him up. He could pummel him right there. He could do right. anything, but instead he just, he makes some face plant on the ground. He bloodies his face a little bit. And then he just steps on his head, just steps over him. Yeah. And it's such a small thing, but it's, that's such a huge insult to, to a guy like that. And, I, and then it, it all um, builds up to this crazy crescendo where he activates a space laser. Oh man! He activates a satellite to to shoot a laser down to the Earth. And I, my favorite part is, um, so he's he's gonna hit Tetsuo. I guess is the main target, not really right. Akira. But they're standing next to each other. And right. My, one of my favorite lines so far in the entire thing is, "Shit, I missed." Yeah, <laughs> I've got a space laser, and he just missed by like an inch, you know. Like, and but he takes out he takes out Tetsuo's arm, um, and that's that's gonna be a big deal. And this yeah. is where this is dealing with the stuff that you really the iconic stuff you really remember from the movie. Yeah, is when he starts the body horror stuff. He gets really he starts really looking weird. Right. Um, and that arm is gone. And uh, what a crazy place to end the volume is. You know, he's lost his arm. Um. Tokyo Neo Tokyo is in a panic. Everyone's heading out of there. That there was that shot where everybody's trying to get through that retaining wall, mm-hmm. and it's just sort of like building, like piling up on each other. And uh, and then you've got uh, Kanida and Kay uh, picking up Akira, who they kind of know it's Akira. They kind of know what that why that kid's there, but they pick him up anyway because to them he looks like an innocent kid. And so like you, you have your main character 
giving a piggyback ride to this force of nature that we've been hearing about in whispers throughout the, you know, the first 600 pages. What's right. Akira? What is it? And it's just um, a really suspenseful place to, to end that volume. Yeah. Uh, so let's, awesome. let's, let's end that conversation there and uh, okay. we will reconvene next month and talk about uh, books three and four. And uh, we'll see if, if Scotty steals anything from Akira and any of his covers coming up. Oh, we'll see. man. Yeah. Like it's already in the works, man. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah. We'll it's, talk uh, We'll talk about that next time and yeah. maybe some things that you want to co-opt. But but yeah. So, so until next time, my name's Paul. And I'm Scotty Young. And he's up on those pills, okay? Okay.